sit down and buckle up. It's time for the Pirate Monk Podcast. Welcome to a special episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Well, every episode is special, but this one I think is extra special. Would you agree, Aaron? Well, sure. I, <laughs> I mean, I actually have known of our guest. I have not yeah. read his books, but you have, and I, I have, have known, read some of his books. Yes, I have. I have known many people who ha- have been uh, had their hearts and lives transformed by participating in stuff that has come from his books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I, I, I'm so grateful that Justin Schwind, bulldog that he is, uh, just really went to work and would not uh, stop, would not take no for an answer, was relentless until he was able to uh, to get John. And now that we've had a conversation with John, uh, you and I have already recorded that conversation. We're going to play it in a minute. I now understand why John is so hard to get to. Uh, yes. And yes. I appreciate Feels like it. that much more of an honor. Yeah. 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 But uh, so, yeah. So we have uh, uh, an upcoming conversation with John Eldridge. Uh, meanwhile, we have some guys making the pilgrimage tomorrow here to Middle Tennessee to sit with none other than Aaron Porter, talk about soul architecture and take a look at their own lives through that lens. Uh, how are you coming on getting ready for uh, you kind of doing a soft open at the harbor here? I'm uh, I'm excited. I'm just excited. Yesterday I got everything printed. Today I get to shop, and we're just gonna have a great time. I'm so looking forward to it. Been texting uh, with the guys. Okay, and you're you're gonna yeah. pop in, right? At least a I will times. pop in. It's you know it's a birthday weekend for Allie, and I got other things on the plate. But yes, I will pop in. And uh, enough to get, uh, I'm doing it selfishly. I don't know how much of a help I can be, Aaron. Uh, this is a program that you understand thoroughly and you've done this, you know, countless times before. But I want to get a more direct personal acquaintance with uh, what you do on these weekends. So Well, I, I printed you out a booklet just so that whenever you popped in, you wouldn't feel like you didn't have paper on your lap. Okay. All right. Good. So there's paper <laughs> involved. Okay. Paper. My word. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we're working. Great. This is this is an intensive. We're not retreating. We're in. We're intending. Uh, I don't know. Okay. In, we're intensivizing. Well, I think <laughs> that our <laughs> I think our our listeners want to get to this interview. So let us not belabor the point. Mm -hmm. All right. We'll be back with John Eldridge, folks, when we return on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Welcome back to the Pirate Monk Podcast. How lucky are we today to have with us as our guest none other then John Eldridge. John, thank you so much for making time to talk with us. Oh, guys, this is a joy. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, ever since uh, Justin was able to make contact uh, with you and with your staff and arrange for this conversation, I, I mean, I have just been waiting uh, because John Eldridge has had a big place in my bookshelf ever since man, the divine romance. And then of course, wild at heart and all that it spawned. And it seems like no matter where I go in the country, I'm always running into men who talk about uh, their time at a boot camp as being absolutely pivotal in turning oh, no their life kidding. around or setting them on the road to recovery. So, and gosh, mean, and then do you mean all- literal boot camp or do you mean like boot- they had some oh. experience that was boot campish? You're going to have to define this more for me. Yeah, yeah. So we do these four-day weekends for oh, men. your boot camps. Yes, yeah. I've met people who did that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm sorry. I'm not in this particular world, so I'm just going to ask the questions that other idiots might be thinking. Okay. Okay, go on with nah, – I got it now. I'm tracking. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> I, I wonder, John, how many men – would you know how many men have been through the boot camp out there in Colorado? 
Um, he, I, I have no idea, but here's a really cool little sub story. So right before COVID hit, mm-hmm. we released bootcamp online for free with all the film oh. clips and everything embedded in it. <clears throat> and more men have gone through that than have been to our live event. So we've been doing these for 22 years in two mm-hmm. years, more guys have gone through yeah, uh, yeah. The, we call it basic and guys around, you know, just all over the world are hosting little groups, you know, three guys in a garage, four guys up at a cabin for a weekend and they're doing it. So, yeah, it's tens, tens of thousands. So, of so what's what have you seen is the difference from because I know for the guys that I talked to that had gone through this, not realizing it was called boot camp, obviously, but for the guys that I've talked to that went through it, being there, the physical experience is a big part. So what? What have you seen with like, wow, this is amazing virtual, but it's different? Well, I didn't think it would work. It was my team's mm-hmm. idea to make it virtual, but also to primarily to let other guys host it. So they are mm-hmm. live in the sense that it's a group of guys getting together, you know, to, to take the journey together. Um, I didn't think it would work. I didn't think it would have anywhere near the same impact as coming to one of our one of our deals. It does. Mm-hmm. It works. Yeah, yeah. It's just been yeah. the coolest story. And that that would happen right before COVID blew up a yeah, lot of opportunities yeah, yeah. for guys to get together. I mean, it shut down the gyms, it shut down the bars, it shut down the, the coffee shops, it shut down every place that guys hang out. Mm-hmm. But but they would do this together. Yeah. And so, yeah, super cool story. So how yeah, did you get uh, – I, I need your story that bridges this gap between you coming from where you came from, wherever that was, to being <laughs> like, I I need to understand this for myself, and then I'm getting passionate that other guys yep. can connect in this way. So so bridge this story gap for me real quick. Well, yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to be real quick. Do as yeah. long as you want. Well, there's so many different places to pick up someone's personal story, but I'll start with young dad. So I'm in my early 30s. I have three young boys. And there is this anger coming out that was scaring me because I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm going to hurt these precious little guys. And so I went to counseling. And, and this beautiful, beautiful man uh, took me back into my story of growing up in an alcoholic home. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and almost being like a street kid, I grew up with a lot of trauma, drug houses, all that stuff. And, and I just hadn't dealt with any of that. Mm -hmm. And so it was my own healing journey. Um, and, and then I went ahead and got my degree as a therapist. Wow. Mm -hmm. So how old were you when you started that journey? Like you said, early thirties, I went back to grad school at 34 yeah, wow. finished at finished at thirty six. It was a two year program, um, and started as a young therapist. Young, I mean, it's young to me now. Mm-hmm. I'm sixty two. I was I was a young <laughs> man back then, um, and and I I was really gravitated towards working with men. I felt like I understood them. I felt like I understood their stories, and and. Um, out of that grew the book, Wild at Heart. It, it grew out of my mm-hmm. own story of growing up in an alcoholic home. It grew up, it grew out of raising boys. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and then it grew out of my work with my male clients primarily. What were you um, doing before that? Like in your 20s, what was your, your vocation? So in my, well, you and I were in LA. I was running a community theater in my 20s. Okay, so I was curious because of what we had talked about. Some of the ideas uh, of how men engage have a dramatic flair because men need to connect with that. So when we were talking, I was like, oh man, I'm kind of making a connection with some of the why yes. that comes from that, that brain and heart that yes. is yes. in you that I wouldn't have expected. Yes. Yes. It was the painter Matisse. Uh, he said, I wanted to, I wanted to create paintings that were so beautiful. They would heal the human soul. 
Mm-hmm. And when I was in theater as a young man, I wanted to create theatrical experiences that were so profound, it would heal the human soul. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. then I just went, I, 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 it's story, right? Mm-hmm. It's tension, right. it's drama, it's all that. Um, yeah. And that just took me straight into work as a therapist. So, yeah, my model sure. is is narrative therapy, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So, so I'm just thinking of other people that have this thread. I mean, the the first two that come to mind is that Jocko guy that was like special forces manly yep. man who's very intense, and and you listen to him, and you're like, okay, this is coming from the depth of of the battle, the war, the fighter. Yep. And then you've got like a Jordan Peterson kind of guy that's coming from the complete intellectual side that even if he tells a story, it still sounds like it's coming from a textbook. Yes. And and so this feels like this third way to approach some of these same issues, which is from art. Yes, exactly. The warrior poet. I believe very much in the warrior. I think the warrior is crucial to, to mm-hmm. the heart of, of boys. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to have the poet side too, or that will only, that will live very, very two dimensional. The whole, the whole warrior battle thing is very, very critical. I mean, anybody who gets a cancer diagnosis, is just thrown into a battle. I mean, all, on and on it goes, your daughter shows up pregnant, you know, all those things mm-hmm. you are thrown into battles every day, but without the artist, without the poetic side without the creativity, and frankly, let's just say the empathy, without mm-hmm. the empathy, you, you won't make it. Okay, can I ask a very weird question then, based on all of Is this? anyone surprised? Show a hand. That Aaron's going to ask a weird question? Yes. No, yes. he always comes out of left field. Okay, go ahead, well, Aaron. Where, okay. where is this one coming from? This is, okay, the, the first time I heard about Wild at Heart was from a neighbor that I had grown up with. And the church that was using it went way over the top on the manliness side. Like it was just a, it was a brave heart study. There was definitely no art. There was no poet at all. It was all warrior. Yeah. The second person that read it was a guy struggling with same sex attraction who loved musical theater. He loved growing up doing acting. And because of how it was being used, felt like this was the greatest affront to him ever understanding manliness, which is clearly not where you were coming from. And so I'm immediately thinking, oh my gosh, with your heart for all of this, like if he heard this conversation, he would have been like, oh, I'm more connected with this guy than I thought. So I think back to others, some weird conversations with people who had their passion and work used in a way that was missing a lot of the heart of what they were doing. What have you experienced and felt as you've seen people take something that came from that heart and make it something else? Guys, I learned on early on, you can have, you can have freedom or you can have control. Uh Uh-huh. Control kills. Like we could have yeah. franchised this. We could have put heavy regulations on it. We, you know, all that kind of thing. Um, but that's a horrible life. You, you just have to take those risks. Mm-hmm. It, it, it breaks my heart. But yeah. but the alternative is actually worse. Yeah. Where you're yes. you're policing everything. I I mm-hmm. love that. And I'm also curious what what would you say to those people that were around those who were taking out the poet from the warrior. Yeah, I I would say, hey, there's a better version of this. There's Mm -hmm. a better version of it, Um, which is actually what I have to say to a lot of people about church. I'm a a fairly unchurched person now. And what I want to say to them is there's a better version of this, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, what I'd say is drop by wildatheart.org and see if you don't get a little bit more of the the wholehearted person. We're after wholeheartedness is what we're yes. after. Mm-hmm. 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 I love it. Hey, John, your most recent book, I believe it's your most recent book, unless I've fallen behind, is Resilient. Is that the, is that the most yeah. recent one out? Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, written post-pandemic or reflections upon the pandemic. Uh 
a tremendous story. And you you open. I don't want to. I want to inspire people to buy the book. I don't want to uh, uh, spoil everything. But you open with the. Uh, you open with the story of uh, the illustration of camels. You have this incredible <laughs> yes. endurance. You can go for you know weeks without water and just unbelievable endurance. But when they collapse, collapse, just sudden, uh, just uh, boom, they're out of steam and they're done. Um, and and you apply that to the experience we've all come through in the pandemic, all the stresses that uh, that we've endured and uh, you know, the, the dangers that we've encountered and everything that, and we've made it through. And now we think that because we're on the other side, um, uh, you know, the, the, the trial has passed, we've made it through, and now it's downhill from here. Uh, and you're making the case that, that we're probably not thinking correctly about it, but at the same time, we now have an opportunity to dig deeper and develop some disciplines and skills and practices that we may not have been interested in before. Yeah. Is that, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good summary. That we are now in the cat, what's called the cascade effects of trauma. Mm-hmm. So the, you know, the whole COVID experience, but it wasn't just COVID. It was the politics. It was the high yes. high octane everything um, that were that was global trauma. Mm-hmm. And 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 we are we are through that. I mean, thank God, most folks are back to work. Most folks, you know, kids are back to school and and that sort of thing. Uh, but but trauma doesn't just go away after you've been through it. Mm-hmm. it. It has a cascade effect. And and what I'm hoping to to help people with is now let's learn to better care for our souls, mm-hmm. so that when the next crisis rolls through. And the world is a is a crisis, you know, laden place. It's you mm-hmm. know the Swiss banks were you know reeling yeah. yesterday. Yeah. So let's be the kind of people who who learn how to care for the soul in such a way that we we're developing resilience, and we're not thrown by the next piece of bad news. Or or let's make this you know bring it home the next personal. Um, crisis, yeah. heartache, loss, yes. bad How, news. What are some of the first steps for people to do that when outrage porn is being viewed as much as nude people porn? That every news, uh, yes, every <clears throat> yes. I was going to say article. Nobody reads articles. All news has to be something outrageous which is why my parents call me from across the country saying they've watched the the weather channel and surely I'm going to die soon. I'm like, that's like 65 and clear here. So even the weather channel is outrage porn. So mm-hmm. how do people find that kind of heart and balance when what's being pumped into them is no, we got to keep these sides. We got to keep these delineations between us and them. Where do people start? Well, um, you guys, you guys are really, really fun to talk to. So <clears throat> I'm going to give I'm going to give a very short answer, and then I'm going to give a longer answer. The okay. short answer is get off the news. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Woo! Get off. Okay. I mean, seriously, folks, come on, yeah. get off the news. Um, when 9/11 happened, uh, they did a study afterwards, and they discovered that the people who watched the news of the Twin Towers going down, the live news, the live. Mm-hmm. Um, experienced the same level of PTSD as people who were there in New York. Wow. Mm-hmm. And wow. it has to do with the brain's inability to differentiate um, visual information as it's coming in. Um, and so, guys, okay, another uh, research is overwhelming. Overwhelming. This is beyond debate now. Anxiety and depression rise in direct correlation to your use of social media. Mm-hmm. Why would you do this to yourself? Stop it, mm-hmm. is what mm-hmm. I want to say. Like three minutes mm-hmm. of news a day, folks. I mean, you do need to know, you know, was there yeah. an earthquake in my parents' hometown? Or, you know, sure, okay, yeah. that's important. Like, I get it. Three minutes. Um, yeah. And instead of that media time, what you take up are practices like take a walk every day. 
Listen to beautiful music in your home in the evenings. Mm-hmm. Um, cook your own dinners instead of getting takeout. You, you begin to take up some practices that are kind and restorative to your humanity. Mm. So that instead of, because you're burning through critical resources every day if, if, you, if you are an outraged and upset person. You're just, you're yes. just oh man, you, you're, you're running on fumes. You're just burning right. through your, your mm-hmm. emotional resources every day. Don't do that to yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay, right? because, yeah. let, me, let me throw this out. I don't think we've talked about this for about 11 years. I literally remember the last guest we talked to about this. Uh, when I get pushback from people that say, we well, have to know what's happening in the world, which I don't understand how that became like an accepted thing. Um, but I, I think about historically, I'm in a village. I know what's happening in my village. It's small enough to know this person's pregnant. This person lost a baby in a pregnancy. We're dealing with that. Then someone comes through and everyone's excited. Give us a little tidbit of the outside world. And and that's novel, not normal. Yes. So is it tragic? Should I be heartbroken that a mother killed her children in Texas? thousands of miles away from me. Of course I should be heartbroken. Do I have the capacity to do anything about that other than feel bad? I don't know this person. They're not in my community. And now we take it to other continents. Tell me what's happening in the middle of another country. And so I'm having all these emotions, but I don't have enough space. And all that's doing is taking away from the people that are actually in my community because I'm giving my emotions to nothing in particular make all of that sound better or tell me, <laughs> or, or tell okay. me I'm wrong. No, no, no. This is fascinating, guys. So a British anthropologist named Robin Dunbar did a series of studies. He, he compared two interesting pieces of data, um, the size of the cerebral cortex um, and the size of human villages as a rule down through the centuries. Oh, I'm loving this. Go, go. Come on now. What he discovered was that the human brain is designed to live in a village of about 140 people. Yes, Mm -hmm. the best churches, 150 max. Okay, go go. on. Okay, so here's the point, folks. I know you think it's normal, but in this hour, because of technology, you were never meant to know what was happening in, in Texas in the wildfires in Australia, you know, in the mm-hmm. in the riots in Belarus, um, we are exposed to way too much global heartache and trauma. Mm. Like the human capacity, you literally were never meant to operate in this environment. Yeah, and so yeah. it's not normal. It's not being a responsible human being to be up to date. It, you literally are not wired for it. Mm-hmm. And therefore, as I said, please regulate how much exposure you have to that kind of information, please. And and you don't have to feel guilty about it when people start talking about something and you have no idea that there were floods yes. in a state <clears throat> so far away, removed from you. That's You're right. not a bad person for not knowing. Because probably you not knowing means you put the same amount of energy into stuff that was right in your backyard. And that's Correct. beautiful. And we honor that. Yep. Does this mean I don't have to feel guilty about not keeping up with my 5,000 close personal friends on Facebook? <laughs> <laughs> no, I no. no, for I that one, you're, you're a dick for that one. <laughs> I don't know. The rest of it, yes. But no, you're bad. <laughs> What a terrible person. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you were oh, going to say my. again. Go ahead and finish your again thought. Well, well, well we're, we're, we're off in a little bit of a cul-de-sac right here. But yeah, in yeah. terms of the, the human capacity for relationship, you can only have intimate relationship with about 12 people. Mm-hmm. And beyond yeah. that, your, your, your capacities diminish greatly. So mm-hmm. I just don't I, – I don't – I get lots of emails that I simply just don't open. I, yeah, I get right. phone calls from people that I simply don't answer. Yeah, I, I, right. I get text messages that I don't reply to. And mm-hmm. it, I'm not being a jerk. I'm just trying to live a reasonable human existence in an yes. utterly mad hour on the earth. 
Okay, how did you get there? Because most of us feel a lot of pressure to oh. open those emails. There's the shame oh, factor, yes. all of that. So how did oh. you come to... Yeah, what were you going to say, Nate? Yeah, oh, and you have to be an influencer these days and build a platform oh, and to do that. Oh, <laughs> right? Jesus, save us. John, John, how can you ever be an influencer if you if, behave this way? If I was wearing yeah. pants right now, I'd show you what brand they were, and I could be an influencer, yeah. but I didn't bother. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I'm yeah. gonna we're going to riff off on a really fun tangent. What, <laughs> I think it is um, Jaroslav Pelican's book, Jesus through the centuries. I think that's where this is uh, recorded. That the major um, reform movements that took place in the papacy down through the centuries came from the monasteries. Mm -hmm. That the really good stuff always Mm -hmm. came out of the monasteries. And so the answer, guys, is I tried it. I I tried to be an influencer. I tried that life. I tried, Mm -hmm. I mean, as a young therapist, I tried coming through for everybody. I burned out. Mm -hmm. And I decided I simply can't sustain that life. There may be people who can. I'm very concerned for Jordan Peterson. I don't think that lifestyle is sustainable. But Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe he's wired for it. I'm not. I mm-hmm. paid the price. I paid the price in my health. I paid the mm-hmm. price in my marriage. I paid the price with my family. I'm done with that. And mm-hmm. so I live a monastic existence. And here's the fun piece. And I have a greater influence in the world yes. now than I've ever had. Yes. Yes. So, so that answers the question to how did you get to the place where you didn't feel emotionally compelled yes. or shamed into answering every email that came through. Yes, I tried it mm-hmm. and I crashed and I realized it's unsustainable. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Was, was there a process to get over? I don't know if you felt shame. What emotion went with that, that space between, yes, I'm trying it and I'm living a monastic existence. Usually there's a learning curve there to get past whatever emotion. What emotion were you feeling the first times you were like, no, I will not? Mm. <clears throat> Failure, guilt, mm-hmm. shame. Okay. I am yeah. a terrible person. Yeah. I, to, steal a, to steal a phrase from Bill Wilson, I think recovery and I think sp- uh, the growth in spiritual maturity is all about becoming right-sized. Mm. <laughs> <Huh>? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and humility comes hard for me, at least. Uh, and and uh, also these grandiose ambitions, you know, I, this these messianic ideas that I somehow imagine will bring significance and importance and weight to my life. Letting those go uh, isn't easy. But eventually we have to, right? It is unsustainable whether we... I I think what's great, John, is that you recognized how unsustainable it is. I think there are men and women who don't recognize and keep going. Uh, Mm -hmm. And perhaps, uh, and I've certainly been on that trajectory myself. Yeah. Yeah, I think we also need to talk about, of course, there was a progression through this. I'm, I'm in my mm-hmm. 60s now. This didn't just happen overnight. Of course, there's a progression. You, you learn a new way of living. You pick up a new cadence to your mm-hmm. life. I, I think you can even hear it in my speech. Like, I picked up a new cadence in my speech. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That takes time. But, but what folks also need to know is that as you make those micro adjustments, mm-hmm. the rewards are almost immediate. So, mm-hmm. for, for example, <clears throat> um, I locked on to something, uh, the power of pausing. I would, get, I would pull in that driveway at the end of the day, fried. And I'm talking mm-hmm. fairly recently. I mean, this was just a couple of years ago. Fried. Yeah. End of the day equals fried. Mm-hmm. But I would turn the ignition off of my truck and I would simply sit there in the driveway. Mm-hmm. And I would put my head down on the steering wheel and I would practice what I call benevolent detachment. I'm not mm-hmm. angry. I'm not cynical. I just simply can't carry this. 
And mm-hmm. so I just take these moments where I release everything back to God. Mm-hmm. I release everything back. The email I shouldn't have sent, the meeting that I blew up in, you know, the thousand regrets of a single day. I just release it. I benevolent detachment. One minute. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. All right. But benevolent mm. detachment and releasing are both great sounding words that I don't know what exactly you are doing practically. What is going through your head for that one minute that causes you to release it? Well, it's not It's not only going through my head. I'm saying it out loud. Oh, nice. I, okay. It helps to say it out loud. And what I say is, Father, I give everyone and everything to you. Mm-hmm. And I'll just repeat that for a moment. I give everyone and everything to you. And then I have to get specifics, right? I, I give you Dave. I give you the email I should not have sent. I, mm-hmm. I release these things to your care. I give you my fears about tonight. I, I, I release everyone and everything to you. And here's the beauty of learning to do this in a moment. I'm not asking my soul to do it for the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah. But I can do it for a moment. I can do it for a moment. I really can. And you, you teach your soul. It's a skill like surfing or, or playing the piano. Like you can teach your soul how to do this and you actually get better at it. Mm-hmm. And then, then you're able to do it for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. And then you're able to do it for an entire afternoon or evening. Mm-hmm. Wow. There, there, are two, there are two paths off of that that I think are really important, but Nate did an intake of his breath, which means he wanted to say something mm-hmm. about that. Well, I just, I just wondered uh, whether there's a connection between this and the app that your team developed. Oh, no, no. Recently. Okay, we'll come back to that. Let me do my two paths first. We'll circle back to the app. <laughs> All right, Eric, go ahead. I like the look on Nate's face right now. He's like, what the, what the? That was a perfect segue. <laughs> I, it was the perfect segue, so it's going to lead us too far away. It's, it's good. I got it. I, I know where you're going, Nate. Uh, Aaron is the disruptive influence on this podcast. He's the guy who always just takes it in unexpected direction. And, and it works anyone, out for the best. If anyone is watching visually, the uh, uh, yes, the studio in which Aaron is currently sitting will explain everything. <laughs> well, they're not. And yes, it would. Uh, all right. I, uh, hey, by there, the way. Yes, Aaron. We are going to video. We are going to video. These things are going to start showing up on. Oh, for uh, Pete's YouTube. sake! That's fine. This is not recorded. Hey. This is not. This is not video. But hey, I did the YouTube soon. thing. What like a decade ago, and we got like six people watching them for okay. two hours of editing. So whatever, the, you guys can do what changed. you want. Okay, John, go ahead. What, you're not what were you being videoed, but you look fine. You could totally pull it off. <clears throat> okay, the the two paths. I think in what you were saying. Let me try to wrap my brain back around it. Uh, that are important. The the first is what you're saying strikes me, and I have to believe at least some people are like me. At my worst version of being a pastor, I was curating everything. Small groups, we're not doing this book. We don't agree with that book, so you're not doing that book. And just policing everything, and it took about 12 years to find out I didn't trust God with any other people. I was his agent to make sure things were safe. I was the truth police. And I think you don't have to be a pastor to be policing other people. And that it took me some hard work to do, to feel exactly what you're talking about with, which is God I thought this was good, but man, somebody could could totally twist that in a way I didn't mean to. I did that, and I feel stupid that I sent that email. But I have to trust you with both what I thought was brilliant and what I thought was a failure. I think we're not the only ones who feel that, and that it's okay for me to trust God with other people's souls. In fact, it's a possibly, could I say it, a good thing to trust God <laughs> with other people's hearts and souls <laughs> in their journey. So I, 
I just want to point that out because that was so yes. huge. Yes. Yeah, it's absolutely yeah. huge. Um, it is. It, it is a belief that there is someone bigger who can handle mm-hmm. this much better. No mm-hmm. question. And that there is grace and forgiveness for the way I screwed up today. No question. Um, but I, I think, gang, it's also just reality. It is accepting reality. Yeah. <laughs> that that your to love someone <clears throat> does not mean carrying them. Mm-hmm. Those aren't synonymous. You mm-hmm. can love people and and animals and habitats and cultures. You can love the world. That does not mean you have to carry it. Mm-hmm. In mm-hmm. fact, the more that you do try what you were trying, the more controlling and angry you become. And then you yes. get resentful, you get bitter. Um, that doesn't work. We're just talking about reality. Yeah. I love yeah. that. The, the obvious mm-hmm. reality. And at its core is understanding the difference between appropriate things that I am responsible to and the difference between being responsible for. Yes. And, and that shift makes all the difference mm-hmm. in how I behave and feel. Mm -hmm. And the reason I had to stop in the driveway at the end of the day was because the person that was about to walk through the front door was not somebody very enjoyable to spend your evening with, Mm. right? (laughs) I mean, like the practice of what I call benevolent detachment, and this is just one example, we're talking about other things as well, art, beauty, you need nature, you need all the, you need a rhythm in your life that cares for your humanity you will be a more enjoyable person to hang out with. Okay. <laughs> this is a gift to everybody yeah. in your life. <laughs> you, know, you know what I picture with you in your driveway? If I was going to go to dinner with a bunch of people I cared about, I'd take a shower, I'd get dressed up, I'd shave. And you're basically saying, I care about the people in that building. So I'm going to emotionally dress myself for something that shows it is valuable. Oh, I like the shower yeah. thing first. I'm going to literally cleanse myself. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. From the news that I mm. just watched, from the angry thing I just received. I'm going to cleanse myself for a moment. Because mm. they're worthy of that. They are they are worthy. That's yeah. awesome. All right, well, let me come back around and ask or, the question. No, no, yeah. this will this will be the segue. This was the second path, and it'll come back to what you're saying. It was a long on ramp, Nate, but but okay, you're okay, okay. This is the second okay, path okay. is you are talking about things that are intentional. You talked about learning a different cadence. You talked about mm-hmm. doing a practice. Those are intentional choices you make. Some things are byproducts of those intentional moments or mm-hmm. being a person that's having practices. So sometimes I focus on the byproducts. Here's where I want to end up and miss that it takes a moment of intentionality to get the byproducts. Don't focus on the byproducts. Poop mm-hmm. just happens. Just have a burrito, right? Don't have to focus on the after. So you, Nate is talking about an app that you had mentioned that I think ties into this dance that you're making through desiring byproducts and choosing what things you'll be intentional about. Is that accurate? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And we're talking small, simple stuff, gang. Like I don't Mm -hmm. have a gym membership. And the reason is I can't sustain it. I don't go. I mean, I, I don't, <laughs> I'm not setting really high bars for myself, people. We're talking about pretty sustainable things, right? Okay. 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 So, that, so that pause in the driveway started to become so important in my life. I taught my staff to do it. And every day here in our building, um, monastery bells ring out twice a day, 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. And everybody wow. knows you pause mm-hmm. and you let it go. You let it go. <clears throat> that became so life-giving and so countercultural here that we built an app from it. 
And we're not even, mm-hmm. we're not an app company. We don't do this. Like, but uh-huh. I just, it was my son, my son, Luke came along and said, this is so killer. Let's do an app. So we created something called the one minute pause. And initially it, it, it literally, there's a one minute, there's a three minute, there's a five minute, there's a 10 minute and it's beautiful music and it's guided um, centering prayer. But mm. whatever pause you choose, it always begins with benevolent attachment. It starts there. I mm-hmm. give everyone and everything to you. And it was fascinating, guys. Um, my team said, hey, let's put a 10-minute pause in there. And I said, look, you don't understand. I am having to convince people to stop for 60 seconds in their day. There's just no way people are not <laughs> going to do it right? Yeah. The 10-minute pause is the second most used function in the app. Wow. Really? Half a million people have downloaded this free app. It's gone nuts because during the pandemic, it literally saved people's lives. Yeah. I mean, anxiety goes down, fear sure. goes down. Yeah. yeah. You know, compulsive yeah. behaviors go down. Um, and, and so then we built into this app, the new thing in there is called 30 Days to Resilience. And it is this lovely morning and evening. Um, it's, it's like centering prayer, but there's music and reflection. There's mm. international voices in it, men and women. But it, mm. is so, it is done so peacefully and so gently and people, people are finding this to be an absolute rescue. Mm. Mm. Were, you, were you always the spirit? I mean, this is deep spiritual formation kind of stuff. Were you always yeah. this guy or has this come along more recently in your life? No, no, I've always been this guy. Even when I was a kid, it's fascinating. When I was a kid, my family would join together. So, I mean, the early 60s, you gather around the television, Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and you watched, you know, the latest show and um, yeah. I, I would rather be outside. Like even as a kid, mm-hmm. I did not like media. I didn't like television. I didn't like artificial things. Like, I just mm-hmm. have this bent towards I prefer the real to the yes. artificial. So I've been I've been I've been a monk all my life. It's just recently I've adapted a monastic lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. 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 Well, I've I've signed up for this in the last 30 seconds that you've been talking about it. 10 o'clock and two, is that good? Should I go with that? Yeah, yeah, go with that. Remind me, allow notifications. There you go. I'm ready to pause. That's how easy it was. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to dig it, man. I'm serious. It's going to set you free. (laughs) I love it. So good. Man, John, thanks. Uh, Thanks for going off on these tangents. I'm so glad we got to talk about social media and the news. I'm sure that's not what people were anticipating when they tuned in, uh, but it's so good. It's critical. It's, it's all within the category of we are pursuing wholeheartedness. What does it mean to be a wholehearted person? And, and to get there, you, you need to get out of the madness and mm-hmm. you need to adopt healing rhythms to your life. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, by the way, uh, I love how specific uh, your coaching is in the book Resilience, uh, how the disciplines for building resilience. I cannot recommend it highly enough. So listeners, if you haven't yet picked up a copy of John's latest book, Resilience, uh, before you forget about it. Oh, oh uh, let me I, say something really fun into that too, Nate. So yeah. get the audio book. If you, yes, if you, yes, <clears throat> yes, because I listened to the audiobook. Yes, it's so fun. I've got right, never heard anybody do an audiobook like you did that one. I've got so, two very excited old men in front of me. I don't know what to do with them. <laughs> <laughs> I asked the publisher for permission. I said, please, please, this is like my 17th or 18th book. I'm like, please, yeah. can I just riff? Like, yeah. I'll read the book. I'll read the book. Okay. They'll yeah, get yeah. the audio book. But can I add yeah. content as, yeah. a, as we're going yeah. along? Can I tell stories? Can I stop and pray with people? Can I? Oh, my can gosh. We put some, oh it's, it was so fun. They said yes. And it's killer. It's That's- awesome. It's like you're sitting in his living room with him having a conversation 
about the book and about your life. It's, uh, I loved it. Absolutely. Never, <laughs> never listened to a book like it. That's amazing. Uh, All right. All right. I'm in. I'll get that to get my phone out. I'll do it afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do everything during the show. Okay. Uh, that is how do how do people uh, get in touch with this virtual boot camp world so that they can check that out as well? Because maybe they thought in the past <clears throat> go to Colorado, yeah. but I didn't know this was available. Yep. <clears throat> so wildatheart.org is is our website, and if you come there, there's a lot of free offerings. the The first thing you're going to find on the homepage is a six part. Um, journey for men and a six-part journey for women that is immensely healing. It's free also. Everything on our website is free. Mm. Um, but you can, if you want to go deeper, then you just type in basic it, or wild at heart bootcamp or one of those things, wild at heart retreat, it'll all get you there. And, and then you'll get into the part of the, the site where you can watch the, the whole thing or the, or the really fun idea. And there's, there's an equal for women. It's called Captivating Core. Um, get four people and yeah. do this together. Ah, uh, yes. Take yes. the journey together. It will be utterly joyful and transforming. Hey, listeners, don't miss what John just said. There is nothing worse than having an amazing experience at something like this and then going back to a bunch of people who have no idea what in the hell you're talking about, it's like going on short-term mission trips and then judging everybody else that they're not as passionate about Columbia as you are. You got to go with somebody else. It makes it a million times better than what you will experience yep. and come back alone with. Yep. All right. And uh, Samson, guys, those of you who are in virtual groups uh, and you just it's impossible for you to get together physically, you can still participate. I'm quite certain they can do this thing. They can have a virtual yes. group. Yep. To, right. Right. That's uh, right. These are guys who are in each other's lives daily anyway. They're just not in the same town or the same yep. state or sometimes <clears throat> that's the right. same country. Okay. Fantastic. That, that's amazing. Well, all John, right. Thank you so much. What a privilege after all these years to finally be able to talk with one of my heroes. Uh, thank you for just sharing your time with us. Oh, this was joyful. I, I, I completely, completely loved it, guys. Thanks for having me okay. on your podcast. Thanks for the rich conversation. All right. And we will well, be right back here on the Pirate Podcast. Welcome back to the Pirate Monk Podcast. Well, that was fun. It really was, man. Uh, I'm not sure what I was expecting, but I wasn't expecting exactly that. Although he didn't surprise me completely because I had just finished listening to the audio version of Resilient. Okay. So I, at least I had his voice and some of his personality, and I kind of knew where his heart was. I knew this pastoral thing, but still... Uh, yeah, what a delightful! And you know what I love is I love how God took his passion for theater. I mean, he didn't get called into this work immediately. He had right. this grounding in emotional theater where he understands how to tell a story. He understands the power of drama, and he learns how to present. And then he gets the message, yeah. and now he's equipped to deliver the message in a way that not very many people are. That's, I love God's timing. That is such a huge step. I, I knew a guy who was one of the, the coolest youth ministers. He was with, uh, uh, what was that? Those, the, the, the group that had the little song booklets that had secular and sacred songs had like Jeremiah was a bullfrog youth for Christ. Oh yeah. 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 yeah okay. I, I, yeah. Anyways, or young was, life, young life. Sorry. Not yeah, young, Christ, life. young life. He was cool. Had dreadlocks. Surfed, yeah. yeah. And I went to lunch with him once. I'm like, "All right, dude, you're like the coolest youth guy in our town." I was a youth pastor at the time, and I wanted to glean uh -huh. from him. I couldn't grow dreadlocks. I'm like, "Give me something else." He's like, "Here's here's what I think it was. My dad said I will not help you financially one dime to do ministry work until you've lived 
a normal life as a man for 10 years before you enter the ministry. Mm-hmm. And that was the end. That's the whole stupid story. And I <laughs> didn't get it at all at the time. Yeah. And then over the years, I've thought back to that and thought, what a brilliant father that was. Where he's like, yeah. I'm not going to pay for you to be a 22-year-old that thinks you know about life just because you memorize some Bible verses. That's not yeah, the right. whole story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, this is the same story, but in a in a without a father telling him that, it's, okay, yeah. have I engaged my heart, my passions, before I'm trying to give away something I have not yet possessed for myself? Yeah, right, yeah. And yeah. that's that's beautiful. Super yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Well, we would love to hear from you all. I am excited about this app. Um, I I used to I used to be disciplined in setting an alarm every three <laughs> hours and pausing to think about what I was grateful for and acknowledge God. And I have not done that for years, and it was always mm-hmm. amazing. And now I've got an app that's going to just help me out with that. So I'm I'm that, in. That's so, fantastic. Try it out and let us know what you think. If you're going to take some pausing, I'm curious. Uh, and Nate, you can ask me later how it's going, and I can tell you that I've you know turned off the notifications because it was too damn annoying. Uh, or maybe it'll be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. Well, let's I'm, let's track it in subsequent episodes of the Pirate Monk Podcast. <laughs> we will find out. I'm, I'm how anticipating we're doing on the one minute pause app. Yeah. I'm anticipating amazing. But uh, if you have some experiences or other thoughts or questions, send it to us at piratemonkpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what's happening. We love getting notes from you. Okay. That's it for this week, then. Until next time. I'm Nate. I'm Aaron. <laughs> and we are your pals on the Pirate Monk Podcast. The Pirate Monk Podcast is produced by members of the Samson Society. Send your feedback or questions to piratemonkpodcast at gmail.com. Please give us a five-star review on iTunes and share the podcast with a friend. For more information, please visit samsonsociety.com. <laughs>